if you know how to read data on Facebook, there is no problem you can't solve. There is no funnel that you can't ever fix. There is no cost you can't ever bring down because the data will tell you exactly what's wrong and where it's wrong. Welcome to the Genius in You podcast, where I get to talk to ordinary moms doing extraordinary things in business and in life. I'm your host, Kelly Thompson. And if you're looking to serve more, sell more, and make an impact, this is where we do it. In this episode, we are so fortunate to have Adrienne Richardson, who is the owner and founder of Power Play Media. She's the Facebook ad strategist who runs campaigns for many of the ads that you see on Facebook every single day. She has spent more than 10 years and over $20 million in ad spend mastering the art and science of using Facebook ads to generate more than 750,000 leads and more than $90 million in sales for her clients. So I'm super excited to talk to you, Adrienne. Welcome to the show. Thank you for having me. I'm excited to be here. So let's go ahead and dive into all things Facebook ads. Adrienne, can you just share a little bit of how you even started Facebook ad, like getting into that? Because that just seems like such a niche field. Like, I mean, Facebook ads have only been around for I don't even know how long. Maybe you can kind of speak to that and how you end up kind of doing this. Yeah, my um, background is actually in PR and marketing. So I got a degree in public relations and I worked for an agency in Philadelphia for a while, um, working with like Palmer's Chocolate and NASCAR and the Crohn's and Colitis Foundation. I wrote about poop all the time. <laughs> and uh, like just, you know, all in the world of marketing, advertising, PR. And when I started a family, I got laid off. And that was when I started my first business, which was a print magazine called South Jersey Mom. It was when I was living in Southern New Jersey. And it's still in print today, but I sold it many years ago. And so I started out um, in, you know, paid advertising in terms of print, um, TV, radio, those kinds of things. And then when I, after I sold my magazine, I homeschooled my kids for two years. And then I was like, okay, I'm ready to get back in the game. And okay, I'm going to stop you here for a second. So let's get, first of all, let's get back to you having a magazine. Cause that's not like yes. your, hey, ordinary run of the mill. Like, oh, yeah, I have a magazine. It's <laughs> like, so like, what? Wait, how did you come about getting a magazine? Like, how did that even start? Oh, gosh. So I, um, when I got laid off from my job at the advertising agency, I was um, maybe four months pregnant or so. And I was like, nobody's going to hire a pregnant woman that's about to go out on maternity leave. So in the state of New Jersey, when you're collecting unemployment, you have like classes and things you have to attend in order to keep collecting your check. And one of those classes, they said, if you have an idea to start a business, you can submit it to the state. And if we accept it, we'll pay for you to go to like a six week school about how to start a business. So that I'd never in my life thought about owning a business. I never had anybody in my family or friends that owned a business, but that kind of got me thinking. And I was pregnant with my first child. I was living in Southern New Jersey. And I, so at first I was like, oh, maybe I'll start like a mom's group. And then that evolved into like, no, maybe I'll do a, a newsletter because that's when newsletters were popular still. Right. And I said, no, I'll start a magazine. And I was too dumb to know how hard it would be, which probably worked in my favor. Okay. Um, but believe it or not, there's books out there called How to Start a Magazine. So I just started like reading books. And I had a professor in college whose son owned a magazine. And he let me like, gave me his phone number and let me call him. And I asked him some questions. And so while I was pregnant, I started putting together what this magazine would be. And my mom was like, you should call it South Jersey Mom. And I'm like, that's a great idea. 
Uh, and so, <laughs> so I, yeah, so I didn't know any better. I recruited all of my, cause my degree is in PR. All of my friends were writers, you know, or, and I knew people in graphic design and this and that. So I just recruited like my college friends to go and interview moms or pediatricians or whatever, to write the content for the magazine. And I launched the first print, uh, it was a full color, glossy print magazine. Uh, and we launched the first issue when I was, my son was nine months old. And you uh, were taking, you were taking classes on how to do this. Like, well, for... I was taking, I did a six week course with the state, which I actually didn't finish because I ended up giving birth in the middle of it. But it, it just taught the things around like attorneys and legal things and accounting and stuff like it didn't like really teach you honestly anything about business. It just kind of gave you the basics of like, here's what a business plan is. And you know, right. those you need to hire an accountant and here's the legal things you need. Here's how to register your business with the government, you know, those kinds of things. But it didn't like teach you how to do the thing you were going to do. So how did you figure out like, okay, I need to get this, you know, printed like just the like it seems like there's so many moving pieces in that oh, if yeah. you were pregnant like what yeah <laughs> I mean I had to find printers graphic designers like I said writers I had to hire I actually didn't even know anything about distribution at the time so I just paid my mom and my friends to go drop the magazine off in like doctor's offices and stuff because it was a free publication we made our money by selling advertising so I just recruited like 10 friends I gave we printed 10,000 copies our first time and I said just drive all over South Jersey and put these in any waiting room you can find and eventually oh gosh, I actually grew and I hired a distribution company but that's how we did it in the beginning that is crazy. Like, I can't even believe that you were doing that. Like, yeah. that was incredible. Just like, oh, yeah, I'm going to start a magazine. Like, why not? Yeah, yeah. And like I said, I just, I mean, sometimes in life, like all of the things that we don't know or that we don't, we, or like we know too much of what could go wrong. Yeah. So that holds us back from starting. Like I said, I just, I just had an idea and I didn't have anything around me telling me I couldn't do it or that it wouldn't work. And, and I didn't know how hard it would be. And so I just did it. Um, I love that. And I love that so, way. so yeah, yeah, I had it for four years. We grew to 30,000 um, prints, per, uh, issues per month for, and in seven counties in South Jersey. And then wow. I sold it. I sold it in the fifth year that I had it because I had another baby by then and it was a full-time job. And and so I decided that it I, it was time to take a break. That is incredible. I mean, if you just stop there, you would have been like, listen, bucket list. I had a magazine. Like that is just the coolest thing ever. But no, no, you did not stop there, Adrian. Please continue. Yeah. Well, yeah. So like do? I said, I took like two years off and just homeschooled my kids and I loved that time with them. But I also knew that 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 was not my calling. Like that was not my gift. Um, I was way too lax. I'd be like, oh, I don't feel like doing school today. Let's go to the zoo, like, you know, or whatever. Um, so I wasn't doing my kids any favors. I mean, believe me, they learned how to read and do math and all the things. But um, so then I decided, well, I'm going to start another business. What do I know how to do? I'll start a PR agency, right? My degrees in PR. So I um, started that in, in, I don't know, 2021, somewhere around there. And um, not 2021, 10, 11 years ago. <laughs> I can't do math. Um, I love it. Twenty eleven. Yes, thank you. Yes, right around, right around there. And um, and at first I was just doing PR, right? Like I was pitching, um, you know, stories to the media for my clients to get them featured in newspapers, magazines, all the things. And one day I was on Facebook and this was when Facebook, when I had, when I was selling my magazine around that time is when Facebook was just starting to kind of like everyday people like us were starting to get on there. Like mm -hmm. mag my magazine had like just started a Facebook page, but ads definitely weren't like a big thing. Um, but by the time... I had taken those two years off and come back. 
ads were starting to like gain popularity. And I was on Facebook one day and this pink haired lady named Sandy Krakowski was talking about Facebook ads. And I was like, oh, well, maybe I could learn how to do that to get myself more PR clients. Right. Right. And so I signed up for her. I think it was like $47 a month or something. And at that time, that felt like it might as well have been $470 a month, like like $47 a month. Oh, my gosh. (laughs) Um, But I signed up and I learned Facebook ads from her. And what I realized very quickly was my background in marketing and PR and understanding consumer buyer behavior and the psychology and all that stuff haired with this new tool um, got me really incredible results. So I started contacting my PR clients and saying, hey, do you want to be like a guinea pig? I won't charge you for it. You just pay for the ad spend. And I want to test these ads in addition to the PR that I'm doing for you. And we were just crushing it. it so much so that I don't know, six months in, eight months in, I was, I told all my clients, I'm not doing PR anymore. All I'm doing is Facebook ad. Wow. And that's what I've been doing for 10 years. Wow. So you just hit it at like the perfect time for you to start. That's really amazing. And so in those early years, when you were doing it, how are things kind of different now? I mean, other than the fact that it's way more expensive to kind of get yeah. clients from my understanding. Yeah. Well, in the when I first started, there was there wasn't all the strict rules that the, I mean, you could say almost anything you wanted to say. I mean, people were getting <laughs> getting away with making all kinds of promises and false claims and all kinds of things. It was very inexpensive. Um, and there wasn't a lot of people who were an expert in it because it it was new, right? And so because I was able to get people results. And at any time someone would say, and because I niched down to that, anytime someone would be in a Facebook group and say, hey, do you know anybody who can do Facebook ads for me? My name would get dropped like crazy. And so my business was like doubling every single year just from word of mouth because there weren't a lot of people who could do it. And even the ones that could do it, they were so new at it. A lot of people weren't very good. Right. Um, And so I just kind of gained this reputation of someone who knew what they were doing (laughs) and uh, my business continue, you know, continue to grow. And still today, 10 years later, I've never run a single ad for to get an agency client who's ad that I manage, it's all still been for 10 years, just people referring business to me. Oh, that's fantastic. So you don't even need to run ads or you didn't even need to run ads. It was all really word of yeah. for you to grow. Yeah. I mean, I run ads for other programs that I have, but in terms of the agency side of my business where I do ads for businesses, we're always full on that with just, just by referral. That's fantastic. That's awesome. All right. So let's switch gears a little bit. For those of you who are listening, who um, maybe starting to run ads, dabbling in ads. I myself have run ads that many times have been a colossal failure because when I think this is a mistake that a lot of business owners do, you kind of see the ads manager and number one, it's overwhelming, but then you think like, okay, sure, I can figure this out. <laughs> yeah. And it's, and it's, it's an expensive lesson because there's a lot of little nuance, a lot of little things that you potentially miss out on because you don't know what you don't know, just kind of like mm-hmm. when we talked about earlier. So speak a little bit to that, if you wouldn't mind, um, maybe some tips that you can offer in terms of like running ads and and why it's kind of important to kind of figure out what you're doing first and have it really solid before you start running ads. Well, it's a really common mistake that's made that, again, back in the day, if we're talking about PR and TV commercials or radio commercials, you would have, you would hire an expert, right? Like you would have someone write a script for your radio ad or your TV ad. You'd write, you'd hire a video production company. You'd have a plan. You'd have a strategy. You'd put this whole thing together. But for whatever reason, when it comes to Facebook ads, and maybe because they're so accessible, which is a double-edged sword, I love that they're so accessible. But at the same time, 
it has caused people, like you said, kind of just to just jump in there and be like, eh, I'm just going to wing it and I'll figure it right. out. And you would never approach any other kind of paid advertising in that way. Like you would definitely have a thought out plan. You'd think about what you were going to say. You'd think about the design. You'd think about who your audience is that you're trying to reach. And there would be a lot of more thought and planning going into it. And so I think the first mistake that people make when they get started with Facebook ads is they think, well, I'll just go in there and I'll set something up and I'll see what happens. But there's a lot of choices when you get inside the ads manager. There's a lot of buttons you can click. There's a lot of things you don't want to click. And um, it doesn't, It you really do need to know what you're doing if you're going to make a return on your investment, just like you would with radio or TV um, advertising. And so I think that's the most um, important thing is that don't just be like, ah, just jump in there and wing it. Like really, whether I don't care if you watch YouTube videos, you buy a course, whatever it is you do, but like do some research to come up with a plan um, for for the best that gives you the best chance of success. A hundred percent agree with you, because when I first started, one of the first, you see all these little uh, pop ups that would say boost your post, boost your post, boost your post. Right. And so when I first started, I didn't have any presence whatsoever on social media. In fact, didn't even love social media. So I was like, okay, I'm going to boost my posts and spent so much money boosting these posts. And it turns out that's kind of like absolute one of the worst things you can be doing in terms of promoting, you know, using ads. Can you talk a little bit about what the difference is between boosting a post and running a Facebook ad? Yes. So, you know, Facebook is in the business of selling paid advertising. That's how they make their money. And they want to make it as easy as possible for the user to be able to run an ad. And that is where the boost post option was created because you literally click a button, you, you take a post, you already put the trouble of writing and posting to your page, and then you just click this button and maybe there's one or two selections and then you're good to go, right? It's not as overwhelming as the ads manager. And so Facebook did that intentionally to make it super easy for anybody to run ads. But a boosted post, the goal of a boosted post is to get engagement. So that means likes, comments, or shares. And so if your goal is, hey, I posted this to my page and I'd like more of my followers to see this post and engage with me, then a boost post is just fine. And But the mistake, and again, that people commonly, they misunderstand, is because you're boosting a post that is a type of ad. But if your goal is actually to get people to download your lead magnet or to sign up for a webinar or to buy something, then a boost post is not going to achieve that because that's not the way that the ad is being optimized. It's being optimized for engagement. So you might get a sale or two from it if you're lucky because people who engage may go on and then buy. But the boost post was intended to make it really easy for businesses to just run an ad because Facebook's in the, the business of making ad, you know, earning revenue from ad dollars. But it's 99% of the time, it's not a good idea to use it unless, like I said, if your goal is just, I want more of my followers to see this and just boost engagement on my page, then it's a good idea. But otherwise, it's not. It's not. I've spent so much money on that before I figured that out. <laughs> yeah. Well, you're not the only one. You're well, not. I know I'm not the only one. I've spoken <laughs> to many people who have done this. They had even recommended for me to do that. So for yeah. sure. Now, you said a word, um, optimized for. 
And I know like in the ads manager, this is something else that I hear when people are running ads. Um, you want to optimize for a certain thing. Can you just kind of briefly high level explain what that means? Because I know there's like conversions and traffic and engagement, like you said, just kind of touch on that if you wouldn't mind. Yeah. When you set up a campaign, Facebook is going to ask you what your objective is. And really what that means is what is the outcome you're trying to achieve here? So are you just trying to get engagement? You're trying to get people to like, comment and share, or maybe watch a video that you posted to your page. Or are you trying to generate leads? You want people to opt in for something and get on your email list. Or are you trying to make sales? So you're sending people somewhere where you want them to buy something. Um, or is it just driving traffic? Like I'm just trying to get people over to my site to read my blog. So in the beginning, when that's the very first thing you'll do when you're setting up an ad campaign is Facebook's going to ask you what your objective is. And so based on what you tell Facebook your objective is determines what slice of the audience Facebook's going to serve it to. And so just to give you an example, let's just say that you were going to run ads to the Female Entrepreneur Association. That's an that's an organization you can run ads to that's an option on Facebook. If you tell Facebook, I'm optimizing for sales, Facebook knows everything about everybody's behavior on Facebook, which is a beautiful thing and a scary thing at the same time, right? Advertisers, we love it. So they know who that follows the Female Entrepreneur Association's page buys stuff. They know who are just clickers. They know who are just stalkers that scroll and read and never click or comment or do anything. They're just kind of there, lurkers, right? They know everything. So when you tell Facebook, my goal is to get sales, they're going to serve your ad to the slice of people within the audience you chose who are most likely to actually buy from you based on their prior behavior on Facebook. And so the objective that you choose is actually really important because it determines, you know, so if you're like, oh, my goal is just traffic. I just want to get people to my website. Well, then Facebook's just going to serve your ad to people who are clickers. They might end up buying, but they're not the buyers. And so if the goal is to get buyers, but you optimize for traffic, you're going to get a whole bunch of cheap clicks, but you're not going to get any sales. That makes sense. And just a follow up question to that, then why bother? Why would you ever not do anything other than, you know, sales like or, or leads or something like that. Like, why would you ever want like something like a traffic ad? Yeah, so there's a couple reasons why you would. Number one, some people do still have blogs, right? I know they're not as popular today as they used to be, but if you're just trying to get people over there to read your blog, that would be one reason. Two other ways that we use it that's very effective is if you have a podcast, you can run ads to your podcast page on your website. You wouldn't run ads to say iTunes or Spotify or anything like that, but you could run that ad to the page on your website that talks about your podcast to then their get you more subscribers and more people listening as same as YouTube. If you want to get more people to your YouTube channel, you could run a traffic ad to a page on your site that has like a video embed from YouTube that they click it and then it takes them over to YouTube to watch it there. And now you have more viewers and subscribers. So those are the three most common ways we would use a traffic campaign is to get more people listening to podcasts, watching YouTube or reading a blog. Got it. Okay. So now talk to me about in terms of the type of ads that you see, because, you know, you scroll on Facebook and you see video ads, you see graphic ads, you see static posts or whatever. What do you think is one of the most effective ways to kind of grab someone's attention when we're talking about creating an ad? So um, up until very recently, I would say in the last two to four weeks, I have always seen for 10 years uh, static image ads outperform video ads every single time. Now, you will hear a lot of people tell you, oh, do video ads because they're cheap. But I don't care about cheap. I care about does it convert and is it at a good cost, right? So 
we're not looking for cheap clicks. We're looking for conversions at the best cost possible. However, in the last couple of weeks, Facebook is favoring video even more than they already have in the past. They're competing against TikTok. And so they're favoring video content. So when you post a video ad right now, because they're giving you reach so cheap that even if it doesn't convert at the same level as a static image ad does, sometimes it is lower, per, lower cost per lead or sale because the video click is so cheap. It isn't always the case, but I used to say that one out of 10 um, video ads would outconvert a static image ad. And now I'd say that number is like seven out of 10 video ads are uh, outperforming, outconverting a static image ad. So we still test both with every single client. We do static image ads first. We test them for like a week and then we do a week of just video ads and then we see which one produces a lower cost per lead or per sale. We're not looking at the cost per click. That's a vanity metric. It doesn't mean a gosh darn thing. All that matters is what am I paying to get the outcome I want? And so we're measuring that. And right now, about seven out of 10 times, we're seeing a video ad be lower cost than a static image ad. Oh, that's great information. I love that. Now, you just mentioned the data, right? And I know for me, when I first started running ads, I wasn't I could give a rip about the data. <laughs> data, to be honest. Just, yes. Boost my post and see what happens. Yep. But that is such a critical and crucial thing that I have learned over the years, how important that is. Can you just kind of touch on that a little bit as well? Yeah. And I, I mentioned earlier in the call, I'm terrible with math. I mean, I took college algebra three times before I passed it with a C with a tutor. Okay. So <laughs> math and numbers have never come naturally to me. However, for some reason, data makes a lot of sense to me. And maybe in the beginning it didn't when I didn't know what those numbers meant. But once I knew which numbers I should track and I knew what they meant. So data tells us a story, kind of like the words in a book put together tell us a story. Well, when you string data together, it tells us a story. And what it will tell us is where we're doing really well and where we need to fix. And so I always say it's a superpower that if you know how to read data on Facebook, there is no problem you can't solve. There is no funnel that you can't ever fix. There is no cost you can't ever bring down because the data will tell you exactly what's wrong and where it's wrong. And um, the beauty of data is it's not my opinion and it's not your opinion. It's not based on my gut feeling or how you feel today. You're in a bad mood, good mood. Doesn't matter. Data just tells the truth, right? And so that's what I love about it. And 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 so when I say there's vanity metrics, you know, click-through rates and cost per click, those are important things to track because they are key indicators that could give be a warning sign that something's wrong. But really how I measure the success of an ad is like I just said, what is the cost per outcome I'm trying to achieve? So either if I'm trying to make sales, what's my cost per sale or what's my cost per opt-in on my lead magnet? And that's what I'm using to judge whether my ad campaign is successful or not is that metric. Now, if I'm not hitting a good metric on that, my cost per sale is really high or my cost per lead is really high, then I start going backwards in the data to look for the clues to tell me what do I need to fix in order to get a better result. So data is actually very important and it is your best friend that if you're frustrated with ads and you're like, I can't figure out why they're not working, it's because you don't know how to read the data. And once you can do that, there's no problem you can't fix. 
I love that. That's so true. And I learned so much since I started paying more attention to the data. Now, how long would you recommend like someone, cause I, you know, again, I talk to a lot of people and you hear, I've heard different things from different people in terms of how long should you run an ad before you mess with it? Like yeah. if you look at it, like how long do you look at it before you go, this isn't working or this is working. I'm going to throw some more money at it. So Facebook um, has a learning phase of seven days. And they'll, their uh, algorithm will even tell you, if you go in and you try to make a change in the first seven days, it'll even warn you and say, this is going to start your learning phase all over again if you make this change. And so why is I, that a problem? Let Just speak to that real quick. Yeah. Like, why is that a big deal? So the way the algorithm, like the way Facebook ads work is you tell Facebook, here's my copy, here's my image, here's who I want you to show my ad to in terms of your targeting, right? And then what the algorithm does is it starts serving it to a little bit of people at a time. And it's measuring it, the feedback of how they're responding, liking, clicking, you know, opting in, buying. And then it, the people that are taking those actions, it starts serving more and more and more of your budget to those people within that group that are taking action. And so it's learning, right? It's not instant. It doesn't like instantaneously happen when you turn on the ad. It's, it's a machine and it's pulling in data and it's pulling in information and it's getting smarter and it's getting better based on the more data it gets. So every time you make a change, it resets the algorithm to start learning again. And it takes seven days and Facebook will tell you it needs 50 conversions in that seven days. So if you're running and it's a 70 people who opted in for your list or 70 people who bought from you or whatever, they need, or not 70, I'm sorry, 50. They need 50 conversions in seven days in order for their algorithm to actually get enough data to learn and be smart. So if you don't give it the full seven days, you're hurting yourself, number one, because you're not allowing the algorithm enough time to get smarter. And every time you mess with it, you're restarting over your seven days, restarting over your seven days. So I always tell people, set up your ads, let them run for a week, then bring me your data and I'll tell you what to do. Like I did, I'm like, just don't touch the thing for seven days. Let it be. It needs to do its thing. And it's so hard, Adrian. It is so hard. <laughs> it is. Believe me, I know. I mean, I'm, there's been many times, and I, I shouldn't even say this, but I'm just going to be real with you. There are many times where I just refresh that ads manager every couple hours where you like, look at it. But I'm, I always tell my clients, I'm like, don't do that. It will drive, your, drive you nuts. Now, it doesn't bother me as much because I've been doing this long enough that it doesn't scare me. But if you're one of those people where you're going to be in there and you're going to be like, freaking out by refreshing it every day, I tell some of my clients, I'm like, just don't even go in there. Like, don't even look at it. Because if you're not going to be able to stop yourself from turning something off or freaking out, just don't even oh look at it. Oh my goodness. The struggle is real. The struggle is real. <laughs> it is. So tempting. You're like, I don't know. I don't think, I don't know. But anyway, the question I had asked you before I interrupted you, I don't even remember what it was. And you had started talking about leaving your ads alone, but I forgot what it was before that I asked you. Yeah, I'm, I think you were just asking about the how long to give an ad when you're testing it. Um, and the answer to that is seven days. Like you want to give it the full seven days before you start messing with it or adjusting things. Yeah. Okay. That is fantastic information. Last question. When it comes to targeting, how do you know who to target? So um, there's a lot of options inside of Facebook of who you can show your ad to. And Facebook has removed thousands of them over the last couple of years due to privacy issues, right? People complained that Facebook knew, knew too much about them. And so they took away a whole lot of targeting option in an effort to, to satisfy the users, right? Which great for the user, bad for the marketer. Um, <laughs> but uh, I always tell people to think about where is your audience already hanging out? Who has already captured the attention of the person you're trying to reach. So think of your competitors or other well-known people in the space. 
um, what what publications or magazines might they be reading? What um, organizations might they belong to? Are they using certain softwares in their business or their personal life? Um, so I always tell people to think about where are these people that you're trying to reach already hanging about together in groups, right? And by following a certain page. And I have something called broad targeting versus specific targeting. Specific targeting would be, let's say that you own, you work with um, social workers. Well, you can target the job title social workers or people who studied the, in the field of social work working. That would be very specific. Your ad's only going to get shown to people who have identified themselves as social workers. On the other hand, you might, um, there might be some people or experts in the, that space that uh, people follow. And some of the people following that expert are social workers, but some of them are just the general public, right? And so it might be like a, a personal development person or something like that. That would be a broad audience where some of your people that are, are hang some people hanging out there are your people and some are not. So I always recommend when it comes to your targeting to start with as specific as possible. And then once you know your funnel works, you've got a winning ad, things are going great. Then you expand out to reaching a broader and broader audience. That is wonderful information, Adrienne. That's so good because so many times I think people kind of go into Facebook ads, not having a clue and just kind of randomly clicking, you know, okay, I'm going to target Russell Brunson's people or Tony Robbins or whatever. <laughs> And not really having an understanding of what that means. So I think what you shared was just very insightful in terms of being more specific, as specific as possible, and how that can help you in terms of running your ad. Yeah. Thank you so much, Adrian. This has been a fantastic conversation. If someone wants to get more information about you or how they can work with you, how can they do that? They can just go to my website, wearepowerplay.com, and there they connect with me social and see all the other things I have to offer. Awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you. Until next time, friends. Are you stuck in a cycle of procrastination, analysis paralysis, perfectionism? Are you feeling like you're unable to launch your program, get more clients, and build a business you know can change people's lives? I'm Kelly Thompson, author, speaker, and founder of the Waymaker Society, and I've been where you are, wrestling with doubt and a ticking clock. But here's the solution, the Align to Attract Academy. Imagine teaching your signature program, helping those you're called to serve, and gaining the freedom you crave. The Align to Attract Academy is a step-by-step -step blueprint to turn your knowledge into a profitable signature program, simple and stress-free. In step one, you'll learn the MAP framework, going from idea to impact. Step two, you'll learn to magnetize your message and authentically connect with your dream clients without sleazy strategies. And step three, you get visible to those who need your offer without the 24-7 social media grind. Don't stay on the sidelines, friends. Time is a non-renewable resource. Join the Align to Attract Academy today and make a quantum leap in your entrepreneurial journey. Go to www.aligntoattract.com slash academy.